When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm seeing something. It's smiling at me. But not a friendly smile. The worst smile I've ever seen in my life. Do you see it right now? Smile. Rated R. Only in theatres September 30th. Hello and welcome to episode 16 of Potterooney. This episode of Potterooney is sponsored by Trouser Bank. Are you fed up with bank charges? You know when you get that statement every month from your bank that tells you you've been charged for using the ATM, charged for lodging your checks, charged for receiving a new debit card and even charged for the statement that tells you how much you've been charged. Well, not anymore with Trouser Bank. Trouser Bank is like an ordinary pair of trousers but with extra large pockets so you can stuff all your cash into your trousers and carry it around with you. Each pocket has a zip and a padlock to keep your cash safe. Order your free trial of Trouser Bank now. Trouser Bank. Trouser Bank. So, uh, how are you doing? So, I was doing a... Uh, during the week, I was doing a voiceover for uh, something or other, and I was doing this voice of an answering machine, saying something like, People like people, but I am not programmed for interpersonal relationships. And so, so they were playing this line over and over in the studio, and uh, as they were playing it over and over... Someone said, oh, that'd be a good dance track. And and one of the guys said, oh, yeah, the kids would really like like this. Just joking around. Oh, the kids really like this. And I said, because I was listening to the robotic voice and the line about not being programmed for relationships. I said, yeah, especially the autistic kids. And I didn't mean it to be mockingly. I, uh, I didn't mean it to be mocking. I just thought, yeah, I think autistic kids could relate to that. But, you know... I just said it anyway, but in this sterile environment of a voiceover for an ad in a studio where everyone is on the kind of, oh, um, listening to the, back to the ad and go, oh, what would offend the public kind of thing. That's the kind of mode people were in. So I blurt this out and I, w- I wouldn't say the room went silent. Like, I don't think everyone in the room even heard what I said, but I have to say it killed the, the banter, the lively banter. And it, I got a dirty look which said, you from one particular person which was like you disgusting evil man and it's just been on my mind ever since I mean what I said wasn't offensive but nobody thought about whether it was actually offensive or not I think just people hear the word autistic and they see me smiling and laughing and they think he must be making fun of autistic people I wasn't I was just kind of thought they might, I should have maybe said aspergers really because it was just the relation to relate to the idea that uh, people who can't uh, who uh, find it hard to relate to other people because they just don't know the rules and stuff like that, you know. But anyway, whatever. It's just one of those things where you say it and then everyone looks at you and you feel like an asshole and you didn't really say anything offensive, but you can't start arguing your point because it's not that kind of environment, whatever. So it's just been on my mind. Oh, God. God. So I... uh uh, so this interview I'm coming up now is with uh, Sean Bradley, who is an incredible woman I was put in contact with, and she lives in London. And she was, she was there at the very, very beginning of punk rock with the Sex Pistols. Went to all of their gigs, and some of the gigs she went to, 
she was the only person there or there was her and her friend there hung out with um Sid Vicious Johnny Rock and all the uh, band uh, uh, Sid Vicious later on but Sid Vicious when he was in the audience and things like that and, and um uh, the Damned and uh, all these bands, The Clash, when they were starting out. And it's uh, just an incredible person. And then she started her own band called The Nipple Erectors and she auditioned Shane McGowan for that band. He joined the band and uh, they changed the name to The Nips. Uh, then eventually that broke up and she went on to a band called The Men They Couldn't Hang. We just spent the whole day hanging out together. She talked about Malcolm McLaren. We went down to Malcolm McLaren's grave and... Just a lovely woman, and uh, I'm so glad I met her, and I hope you enjoyed this interview. So, um... You, you knew Malcolm McLaren, did you? Um, yeah, of course. I met him when I was about 17 or 18. Yeah. Um, in the... St Albans. Right, OK. In the it's... art school. Oh, really? You went to the art yeah, school? Yeah, I was an art student. And he was a student? No, no? He, he was... Um, we had some sort of do and, and this weird band turned up. They gate-crashed it. And... Uh, and uh, it was the Sex Pistols. Really? Yeah. Um, in 1975, like around end of October, November. And it was their second ever gig. And they said they'd played at St Martin's the week before. Yeah? Yeah. And uh, we thought they were dreadful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they just, we thought they were, you know, like a 1960s, trying to be a 1960s mod band, but failing. They were really dire. And were they playing the? What were they playing? The same songs that? They... Yeah, I think they did the, like the Monkey's Stepping Stone. And I think they did a Small Faces number. Mm. I think now. Mm. Um, but I, the weird thing was, I kind of looked like them. I had the same hair. Yeah. Because I'd had an accident with Hano <laughs> and then peroxide, mm. so I had hair like you know, like an orange or something. Mm. Like an orange rug, probably. So I just hacked it all off, and it looked, you know. And mm. I was wearing, I think, a bit of a dustbin liner and some ice skating boots and holster, two guns. Mm-hmm. I can't remember something like a holy jumper or something like that. But anyway, I just fitted right in. It's like synchronicity. <laughs> <clears throat> so they were all, they were all like, you know, why who are you? Why are you dressing like that? And I'm like, well, you know, just me. I'm an art student, you know, and. um and they said, oh, um, John spoke to me. He said, you've got to come down to King's Road. Because I was asking about his jumper. He had a mohair jumper on. And he mm. said, I've got it in a shop called Sex. So I just thought that was hilarious. Mm. Mm. And he said, well, you've got to come to the shops. This woman called Jordan, who travels up to Brighton, dressed really strangely in sort of bondage gear and stuff. You've got to meet her, you know. So, okay. And... Uh, so I said, what's your name? He said, John Rotten. So I thought that was hilarious as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, um. And then uh, this, at the end, this, oh, well, that's our manager, you know. And he thought he was really old because he was 29. <laughs> yeah. And um, he gave me his number 
and I had to call him up to find out when they were playing, so I used to do that. Wow. So when you saw them, you didn't think these are blowing away all the old traditions of music or anything like that? No, not at all. Definitely in the fashion sense they were, Mm. but not musically at the time. But they were so bad, it was good as well. Mm. You know, because I went to all the gigs in 75, more or less. Even gigs that they didn't turn up at, I went to. (laughs) You know, like the suburbs or out of London, strange places. And why wouldn't they turn up? I don't really know. I'd I'd just phone up uh, Malcolm McLaren's house and... Mm. And his son would answer and say, <laughs> you want to speak to Dad? And I'd be like, yeah. And uh, just give me a list of dates and I'd just find someone to drive there because I was quite young at the time, you know, mm. drag people along. All right. Um, and were you playing bass at that time, were you? No, I just had um, like a Spanish guitar mm. that I had when I was 16, but I never had any lessons. Mm. So I was like, I had an Alice Cooper songbook. So I was trying to play from that. And um, a sort of guitar book. Mm. And Hawkwind. I was trying to play along with Lemmy. Yeah? Yeah. Wow. So I used to go to loads of gigs as well, since I was about 14. Uh, so what other bands were you... Were you uh, going to see, like, glam-type bands yeah. as well before you... Yeah. yeah, the first band that I ever saw was David Bowie and the Spiders from Mars my God. in Harlow Playhouse 1972 my god what a great first game about 40p or something wow that's yeah. amazing it was a choice between Peter Starstead mm. or David Bowie and I'd heard changes on the radio so I went for the David Bowie gig that's that amazing because my first gig is uh, Lena Lovett Love- oh was it yeah <laughs> <laughs> alright but uh she seems to have disappeared. <laughs> no, I know someone no? who's playing in her band. Oh, she's, she's still getting... She's back. Oh, I'd love to go see her. Yeah. Oh, well, I'll did, sort that out then. <laughs> will you? Well, like, did, did you know her as well? Like, no, I didn't. No no, no. no, no, no. She was part of the Stiff... Uh, stiff Records, yeah. Menagerie, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right, yeah, this is Wild Stiff Records, yeah. But, um, so, when did you, did you start hanging around the, the shop then, sex, or did you? Um, I never really hung around the shop. Mm. Uh, I went there <laughs> one day with this friend, Sharon, who's uh, into mohair jumpers and plastic sandals, and she had short hair, so she came with me. <laughs> and uh, we met McLaren, and he took us around the shop and showed us how all the clothes were made. Mm. how they glued together the, the rubber trousers, you know, they had special processes. And mm. He was very proud, <laughs> saying they were all made by um, English craftsmen. And, mm. uh, it was really inspiring, you know. And so, like, did he... Do you think then, at some point, you realised there was a movement? Punk was a movement? Or, no. I'm not sure it wasn't called punk. But. No movement whatsoever. We were just... No. Um, it was just us, you know, as we were. We weren't part of a movement. Mm. We were just all... I was a very, very angry kind of teenager at the time. Mm. So I used to take out all my anger on my hair and, and my clothes. And, you know, I just didn't want to be like the nice girl next door. Why do you reckon you were angry? Um, well, without going too deep, mm. my childhood wasn't exactly idyllic. Mm-hmm. And that's as far as you're going to go? 
at the moment, yeah, I probably need a cup of tea to do more than that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because I talked to Kat Reardon uh, and, and she had a very difficult childhood and she was very angry, I think, as well. Do you, it seems that uh, punk was a good vessel for anger. Uh, totally, yeah. Mm. Yeah, so it was built on anger and also humour because mm. it was hilarious at the same time. Oh, in what sense? The, you, you so I mean the, the whole thing like the Johnny Rotten, the name. Yeah, it's that's all humour. That's kind of lost now, isn't it? That the, there was a humorous side to it. Oh, totally. It was brilliant, you know. Yeah. Because even the band name, say, The Stranglers, is hilarious, isn't it? To call your band The Stranglers. Yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was. It was taking. I thought it was just taking the piss. We were just taking the piss out of everything and rebelling mm. against all, all the things we were. You know what we were supposed to be like. Mm. Stereotypes. Yeah, yeah. I don't really know. It's like I didn't really have a have a plan or anything. Mm. That's the that's the cab. So I'll just. Oh, okay. I'll just stop it for a moment. So then we took a cab to Highgate Cemetery where Malcolm McLaren is buried. Um, Are there a lot of uh, famous people in the, in the cemetery? Karl uh, Marx, uh, George Eliot, Ralph Richardson, uh, Malcolm McLaren. Mm-hmm. That's who um, we're going to see. Sorry? That's who we're going to see, Malcolm McLaren. You, you'll notice him because there's lots of spit marks around there. <laughs> <laughs> What people's pogoing. Yeah, yeah. That's what we were going to do. Is that what we're going to do, yeah? Three for three, you know. Okay. Six and four is ten. I once went, a long time ago, I once went into... um, Thank you. uh, After it become... uh, Damn, I can't what it's called. Let it rock. Then it became... Did it become boy? Boy, yeah. Yeah, and I went into boy, and I, I, I sort of, I was Betty Toy at the time, yeah. And I sort of, do you still sell grape juice? No, we do. And I thought, you bastard, you know, because he was so condescending, you know. Mm. But, um, but he's a clever man in the sense that, you know, obviously he sort of managed to sort of fabricate or whatever, the, you know, the sort of. Thing, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so yeah, good luck yeah. to him, you know. And, yeah. uh, no, no, it wasn't boy, it was sex. It was sex, fun. that was it, sorry, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, boy was, boy was a bit further down mm. the road. That's right. Um, but, uh, no, I mean, good luck to him. And uh, I think the real genius there was uh, was Vivian Westwood, you know, yeah. in, in the apartment. In, certainly in the clothing side of things. I mean, she's gone from strength to strength. Mm. But, but, you know. Mark McLean seemed to have an eye, though, for talented oh, yeah. people yeah. to find them. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, no, it was sex, sex pistols have stood the test of time. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so there you go. That's, Anyway, right. I won't keep you because oh, yeah. we're only half an hour, but I hope so you enjoy it. Yeah. Bottle each, isn't yeah, it? Please yeah, please do. Yeah. Okay, so Eric. what's your name? Eric. Eric. Hi, nice, nice to meet you. Meet you. Okay. Nice to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you. Oh, shut up. I know Karl Marx is down here on the right. Karl Marx is down there. McLaren is the thing down one of these, but they have to ask directions actually. Oh, really? Is he on this map? Oh yeah. We better get to to Hit Malcolm. First, yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Karl <Yeah>, Marx. Fucking. <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, we had to pay in, and I know Karl Marx wouldn't have liked that. Yeah. So. <laughs> so. uh So let's ignore him. 
know, it always looks so different every time I come. I think McLaren's got a new headstone. He had like a wooden school shield when I came a few years ago. Yeah. After he just passed away. Yeah, so I think they've got him a better stone. It might be, well, hopefully they have. Yeah. I would imagine he would have quite a unique headstone. You know. Yeah, well, it was, yeah, just like a school shield. You know, it looked like it would rot away mm. very quickly. Mm. Does it say it on the map, or do, uh, do we know where we're going? I've got a feeling it's down here. Right. You know, unless it's being robbed or something. <laughs> that would be fitting as well. You're still... Um, in contact with John Lydon? Not at all, no. 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 Never oh. seen. No, he's too rich and famous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really? He doesn't talk to plebs. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God, that's very disappointing. <laughs> I heard him in the helicopter saying, oh, that's where all the poor people live when he flew over Finsbury Park, where he used to live. Sort oh. of mockingly, you know, and I just thought, oh, don't like the sound of you. What have you become, you know? Mm. But That's pretty sad, actually. I think he goes skiing and drives a Volvo now and stuff like that. It's not mm. exactly the well, teenager from 1970. Mm. Although he did always kind of, he never had any problem with saying I'm in it for the money kind of thing. That's true. I was just surprised by his attitude, you know, towards people where he used to live. Mm, yeah, and his mother, because he loved his mother, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I used to phone him up sometimes and she'd say, oh, Johnny's not home for his tea yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. He still lived at home then. So. Did he? And then, yeah, that flat in Finsbury Park. Didn't his mother have... Um, Budgies as well. Bust, yeah, they had budgies and loads of ornaments. Yeah? Packed with ornaments. Really? Yeah, trinkets, you know, just crap, basically. What, like, kind of uh, uh, religious type stuff, or...? Yeah, and just general, you know, little knick-knacks you pick up at the seaside. Mm. That's a real Irish thing, I think. Yeah, it's very kitsch. Mm. Do you know if he had a... a was big into the whole Irish thing, or was that did that mean nothing to him? Him coming from an Irish background. He was um, he was very much a London boy, mm. but also you know London Irish. Mm. With, he used to talk about his, that his family were tinkers. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes. And didn't it, you know? Mm. Um, oh well, then he, he was aware of the whole oh, yes. heritage. Yeah. Mm. Well, here he is. Look, it's very posh now. Oh my God! <laughs> so when we got to Malcolm's grave, we sat down and had a chat about Malcolm and Shane McGowan and the Clash. It says uh, on his grave, it says, "Better a spectacular failure than a benign success." And we had his bust as well. <laughs> That's. Uh, Presumably his, his quote. quote. Yeah, maybe. Okay. Who knows? Do you think he designed his own headstone? I would imagine he'd be that kind of person. 
that's a, like a uh, cast from his face, I would imagine. Wouldn't you? Doesn't it look like? Yeah, he's definitely had a head cast then. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. But is it a death mask? Oh, I wonder. I think it could be. Now that I... No. You, you, well, you can't do that without permission. Oh, can't you? Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Get him stuffed and put him in a cage and you know, blast him. Uh, mm. So it's weird, isn't it? Because he had very intense eyes, so... I don't like it because his eyes his are closed. His eyes are closed. And he has such life in his eyes. Yeah, right, yeah. Hmm. So that doesn't come over. Hmm. 1949 to 2010. So he was, uh, he was young, 61. Gosh. Very young to die. Yeah, they reckon that he, it was the asbestos from, you know the shop he had, the clothes shop? Mm-hmm. He pulled down the ceiling have let it rock and it's full of asbestos really and they say it got into his lungs and that's what finished him off oh my god eventually hmm so you yeah. never know what's going to happen next yeah. year it's funny how I, I, I say 61's very young that's because I'm 51 and that, the idea of me being dead in 10 years isn't very uh, inviting but if I was 20 I'd go oh, that's quite old yeah yeah exactly <laughs> so very very old yeah. <laughs> you're 20 yeah. yeah and he must have seemed old to, to you when you were um, yeah he had the kid as well mm. you know mm. family man right yeah he didn't really seem like a rebel that's strange isn't it I mean he kind of so you would say he looked conservative and yeah apart he, from the beret he was a bit effeminate yeah. Looking, right. with his French berry and smoking jetans. And yeah. Because he took us after he showed us around the shop. He took us for something to eat, you know, in his French place with his beret and his jetan. And, and this um, guy sat down. It was Nick Kent. So I don't know if you know him, the journalist. Yes, 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 yes. And I've read his uh, girlfriend of the time, who I'd seen in a uh, Sunday colour supplement. She was a French woman in this kind of performing troupe, because I remember the boots they all had these sort of lace up boots, Victorian style which I loved, mm. and she was there so I thought, oh this is great, you know mm. not meet McLaren, because I was living in Hertfordshire at the time mm-hmm. yeah. Do you think he was uh, in any way kind of used people like... Totally <laughs> He did? I'd, yeah, in a way, but I he, um, I mean, I booked the band three times after that first gig. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't even the social secretary. But they said, oh, you, you go to a lot of gigs, just book some bands. So I just kept booking the Sex Pistols back. In the art college? Yeah. 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 So they played there three times. And I went to all the gigs, went to the 100 club gigs, mm-hmm. etc. And the fourth time, about two nights before, they said, "Oh, he said, oh, we're not, we're not going to do it." And I was like, "Oh, great, thanks." It was a big party. Um, a party instead of. So, because the, the gig before, a student had died mm. in the bath, and um, there was a big wake, and nobody went to see them play. So oh. he said there wasn't enough people the time before, mm-hmm. so he cancelled. And but I'd just seen the damned play, so I booked the damned for the second ever gig. Mm. For a hundred quid, and that was a lot of money in those days. You know. mm. and, yeah. yeah. Oh, what? 
who else was going to see the Sex Pistols? Like you went to see all their first Pretty much. gigs. Yeah. What, what, and were there? What kind of people were going to? Just see me them? sometimes. Yeah. Just me and my friends, whoever I took. We might have had a car, you know. Just you and your friends. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> God, that's incredible. And what kind of places are you talking about? Are they pubs um, or? What? Uh, Wellington City. There was some. St- student gig there mm-hmm. and uh, there were some people who would travel down with Malcolm mm. you know like trendy people in leather trousers and stuff <laughs> um, and then there was me and my mate or whoever mm. and so I'd, I'd just be talking to John you know like we were friends so mm. and like because you know there's this kind of mm. thing that the first time they played Manchester all the people in the audience basically went on to yeah. form bands that was there people like that in the audiences eventually or? there was um, I told a friend of mine had gone I was at college for two years and the year before a friend had gone to Manchester mm. so I advised her to go to that gig oh really and she did and loved it and wrote me a letter about it which I can't find I wish I could oh wow and at um one gig, what's, what's that place just outside London? I can't think what it's called, but the guy, England. the manager of the 100 Club, <laughs> who put on the Sex Pistols there, Ron, whatever his name was, he put them on at a... Oh, it's really bad. My memory cells are not working properly. Mm. Anyway, they played there. Um, and again, I was there with my friend, and he Rotten was attacked. Yeah. Yeah. The students hated them. They were hated wherever they went, you know. So it was great. We were, we loved it. <laughs> <laughs> and so he was like lit sneering it, and someone jumped on his back on stage, and there was a big punch up, and my mate went in to protect him. Um, and the, but there were two guys from Manchester there, and one was a journalist, and it turns out that they formed a band called the Buzzcocks. No way. So it was Howard Devoto and uh-huh. Pete Shelley. Really. Yeah, but they look very straight, you know. But Cox kind of did, didn't they? I mean, they weren't like yeah. uh, damned or whatever. Or, you know, they just wore shirts and ties, yeah. didn't they? So I, li- I really was, I was just there at the beginning, you know. That was all beginning. Mm, that's amazing. Sh- did Shane McGowan used to go to them? Do you know, he wasn't around at all. No. He was a latecomer. Oh, he? He, and he keeps that quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's true. He wasn't. Around. I don't even think he was at the Hundred Club. No, right. No. The Hundred Club is that where um, he got he got pissed off because um, he was going to see Doctor Feelgood. He was a Doctor mm. Feelgood fan, mm. and um, he didn't get on discover the Pistols until it was you know a bit late. Mm. Well, that's a secret. That is a secret because there's lots of photos of him that. Yeah, because those sort of things, I was always in the background and he was the poser jumping around in the Union Jack T-shirt and I mean shirt and all that. Mm. Yeah, there's lots of photos of when he had his ear bitten or something, was it? Blood uh, on him. That was at the ICA. Was it? Night of Treason or something. It was, was that the Clash plane? Or? The, the Clash, yeah. These nets are annoying. Right? Yeah, they are, yeah. They're <laughs> <laughs> all nets. We might get bitten. Um, um, yeah, it's all... Um, yeah, I remember seeing him there and thinking, who's that ugly guy with big ears across the bar, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, that's how it was, though. Mm. And then, apart from the Sex Pistols, you went to see The Damned. 
or you booked the, yeah, the damned. And so, so they, yeah, we all became mates and mm. um, just went to what the punk type of gigs or what? What other bands then? Uh, well, I went to all. I was a Pistols, you know, person, so I went to all their gigs, and then the Hundred Club. Um, they had the you know the festival eventually. We had Susie Sue mm. playing. Mm. I went to both nights of that, so I saw all the. Everyone went to all the gigs, you know. <laughs> That's amazing. That would have been for the first time Susie Sue played. Yes. Yeah, yeah. and and the Buzzcocks and the Damned. I forget the Clash, of course. Mm. And they used to have Keith Levine on guitar as well. Oh, yeah. And I had an extra guitarist. <clears throat> Terry Chimes on, on drums. Mm. Mm. Uh, I forget. I don't know. What, do you think that the bands then, that The Clash and The Sex Pistols, was there rivalries? Or were they? Well, they were the audience. Like, when I used to go and see The Pistols at somewhere like the Nashville Rooms, they mm. were in the audience, you know, with their long glam rock look. Mm. And leather jackets, you know, feather cuts and mm. satin jackets. And Sid was there too, he was like that as well. Was he? Yes. Wow. Yeah, he was a glam rocker. Wow. I've so. never seen those photos. Haven't you? Oh, okay. <laughs> no, no. So, and then all of a sudden they were in bands, and I saw the 101ers play, who. Joe Strummer was Joe Strummer a singer was, in that, yeah. and I hate. I, I like Keys to Your Heart, but apart from that, I just thought they were decrepit mm. old rockers. You know, mm. he mm. was vibrating in a zoot suit, <laughs> greasy hair, quip, and like. No, it wasn't the Pistols, you know. Pub rock kind of thing. It was, yeah. yeah. Well, it was a bit snobby, I suppose, but it just wasn't where it was at, you know. Mm. Not snobby. I don't know what the right. No, word I is, don't. But yeah. And what about Ian Jury? Did you see him? I saw Kil- <coughs> Kilburn and the High Roads, yeah, mm. well before all this. Because mm. I used to go to a lot of gigs since I saw the Spiders from Mars. Mm-hmm. I used to go to lo- every, you know, loads, as, much, as many as I could, all the festivals. Mm. I saw the faces. And uh. <laughs> your face. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, the... Um, I think well, Stuart's parents are buried here, I think. Are they? Yeah, his dad is. They've got a plot here. Oh. Um, um, yeah, you name it. Also, the heavy metal kids, I like them. You know, Gary Holton. Okay, yeah. I'm not aware of them, actually. He was in our Fetazone pet. Oh! He died of the heroin o- overdose, in, oh. in for real. <laughs> but he was the singer in heavy metal kids. Wow. Speaking of heroin, what, what was uh, Sid Vicious like when you met him? Like, what was he? Uh, enthusiastic, well, when I moved happy to person, I presume. <laughs> oh, oh, he was like a cartoon character. He mm. was very friendly. Mm. Um, a bit of a bully. Yeah? Yeah, I, had, I remember at the Roxy Club, I had my mum had this 1950s brooch of a Mexican with a cape, and I'd pinched it from my mum when I was wearing mm. it. And um, he just came and just snatched it from me and ha 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 and sort of went off skipping with his brooch. That's not very nice. No, that, but that was him. Mm. And he was so tall, you couldn't do anything about it. Mm. And I mean, wh- what happened to him? Did, how did how did he did he kind of start living the part he was playing? Did he think that he was? 
Um, you know what I mean? It, it just seemed to go downhill so quick. Yeah, it was very... There were lots of drugs around, obviously, in the 70s. Mm. And it was considered rock and roll to be off your face and easy to, to slip into that kind of lifestyle. Mm. What kind of drugs were at, at, at the start? It wasn't heroin at the beginning, was it? Mm. Um, mostly speed. Mm. They all used to do speed. Mm. Did you do it? Um, I might have done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course you did. <laughs> Well, as we walked up to the grave of Karl Marx, Shan told me about the formation of her band, the Nipple Erectors, a man called Claudio, or Chaotic Bass, who may have invented pogoing, and how Johnny Rotten once made her an omelette. So when did you start playing music yourself? Um, well, I started, I've always liked music, you know, right yeah. from being a kid, so... Yeah. Just made noises on different things, like pianos. Yeah. Um, and you mean, like, proper sort of... Well, like, when did you you uh, start... Did you join a band fairly quickly, or...? Um, I formed a, a band called the Nicola Rectors. Yes. Yeah, my bed sit in uh, London by the Arsenal football ground. Yeah? Highbury? Yeah, Highbury. Yeah. Because first of all, I had a little band with two characters from the Hundred Club, the uh-huh. rapist, and was one of them, <laughs> and the chaotic bass, or Claudio, was the other one. Yeah. And he was the first punk who got his picture in the newspaper. Yeah. And he used to stand at the front of gigs, brushing his teeth, jumping up and down. I think he probably started the pogo as well. Uh, who was that again? Claudio. Claudio. Yeah, he's London Italian guy. Ah. Brilliant. And he would. Uh, Jump up and down and brush his teeth yeah. at the front yeah. of gigs. Yeah, that's the hilarious. Sex <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> and he had a T-shirt that said "Destroy" on it, and we and the McLaren the next time, you know, McLaren ripped that idea off basically. Oh my god! You know the Destroy T-shirt? Yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah. Mm. That Johnny Rotten wore. Yeah. Mm. And I think it got ripped. Rat scabies ripped it off him one night. Hmm. Um, yeah, so but anyway, I had a little band with them called the Laundrettes because we made a noise, like, you know, and it, a laundrette. And then I thought, I'll try and get something else together. Mm. And uh, I think they had got girlfriends or something, you know, things like that. Mm. Um, and the, the other two had girlfriends, so they... Oh, maybe, yeah, they disappeared. I don't know yeah. why. They lived in Tooting, anyway. Nobody had a telephone. I lived in, you know, uh, North London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I met Shane... Well, that's right, I got a bass from, um, you know, I don't know if you've heard of Johnny Moped. Yes. His yeah. bass player, Fred. Because mm. uh, I knew Captain very well. I used to go down to his house a lot, you know, Ray Burns from mm. The Damned. Mm-hmm. God, it's very involved, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> How it's I got into playing music. It's good, and he was recording a demo for Chrissy Hind who I sort of knew because she was the model at St Martin's because by that stage I'd got into St Martin's to do a fashion course because mm. I'd been so inspired by McLaren, you know. I, I shouldn't have done that. It was a complete mistake and I got kicked out eventually, but, you know, I went and did it for a while and she was the model. For a life drawing. Yeah, yeah, and this other girl, Vicky. Um, anyway, and she was at all the gigs, blah, blah, blah. So there she was in Croydon recording her demo. Mm-hmm. And so I did some backing, backup screams on it. That was my first ever 
recording. On Chrissy Hines? First ever demo, yeah. Well, what song? Do you know? um, Precious, is it? <sighs> wow, brilliant song. Yeah. And was that, was that the... That was the first demo that she got record deals with and wow. stuff. And the drums were played by Captain, I think, on Suitcase. There were suitcases. Yeah. did it on a little, you know, home recording ah, tape machine. Uh, and anyway, I met Fred, and he gave me a toy bass. Was so, it? Yeah, and I thought, I like this, it's got four strings, it'd be easier than guitar, I thought. Mm-hmm. So, that was it, that was my first bass. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, you started the, the nipple erectors with Shane? Um, I auditioned Shane in my bed sit, so I met him at a gig, uh-huh. and I, I said I was forming a band, and he said, I've always wanted to be in a band. Yeah. Um, so I said, oh, do you want to come around and audition? <laughs> what does that mean? What did he do? <laughs> he ran to my little beds. My, my, you know, my landlord was like Leonard Rossiter. It was Irish Leonard Rossiter. Yeah. You know, I'd come downstairs to be a nun moving a sofa. You know what I mean? It was really? really smelt, damp and old men. It was horrible. Mm. Freezing. Mm. Anyway, um, he came round, knocked on the door, opened my bedsit door and he just sort of, Started screaming and rolling on the floor and doing like mad, like a, you know, Stooges song or something, you know, an Iggy mm. Pop impersonation. Mm. So I was like, yeah, that's my front man, brilliant. Mm. <laughs> that's hilarious. And did you write songs with him? Yeah, and we had, I knew Roger who, who played guitar and he had a guitar or something and so he came and played. He was an art student and he had a car, which is very important. Uh, and we used to write, we practiced, because I couldn't even play, you know, so I learned to play as we wrote songs. Mm-hmm. And I had to keep the beat because we had no drummer. Mm-hmm. And eventually we got this guy to play drums, but he played biscuit tin because he didn't have a kit. That's amazing, isn't it? It's like totally do it yourself. I do hear the bell ringing there, by the way. But, oh, okay. Um, and we're at Karl Marx's um, grave here. Yeah. It's a massive bust of his head. It's huge, isn't it? Yeah. You couldn't yeah. possibly have had a head that size. <laughs> Big <really>. brain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, workers Sorry. of all lands unite. The philosophers have only interpreted the world in various ways. The point, however, is to change it. Okay. Yeah. We'd better run because we're going to get go. locked in for the night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so... Uh, was it just you and Shane then, for a while? Or you, uh, you got you got, no, the I, got I got Roger. Yeah. Shane couldn't play anything, a bit of guitar, and mm. then and, and there was a girl called Frenchie in it for a while. Mm-hmm. Who's like one of the only two black girls on the scene. Polystyrene mm. um, was the other. <laughs> oh yeah, and there's polystyrene. Oh, right. Another one. Yeah, I right. used to go to her gigs at the Man in the Moon. Her first gigs. Yeah. X-ray specs. Yeah. 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 Mm. yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, just practice for ages uh, till we could play, mm-hmm. and then we got our first gig in '77 at Roxy. Mm. And it went well. Um, yeah. Well, all, we had like Paul Weller was there with his dad and his sister and his mom. Yeah. Yeah, because his dad wanted to manage us. Yeah. Yeah. So I used to I used to know Paul quite well from all the jam gigs. Mm-hmm. Because that day when I got my first bass, 
um, I got the 68 bus into town from Croydon. Mm. The captain was like showing me some of the dam bass lines, and that was the only bass lesson I ever heard, really. Yeah. And one from Fred, like, you just go like that, he said. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, we went to Soho Market, and there was uh, Rock on Records, and this guy in a suit was hanging, handing out leaflets for, the, for Ronnie Scott's, and it was the jam, Paul Weller. So we went to see them that night, mm. and Bruce Foxon broke a bass string, so mm. I lent him my toy bass so yeah. he could finish the gig. Yeah. God. And the jam were uh, kind of mocked at the beginning, or they wore suits and things yeah. like that. Yeah, they looked, they were like, what planet are they from, you know? Really retro. Mm. But nobody said retro then. <laughs> um. <laughs> I think there's a line in uh, the Clash song, White Man and Hammersmith Palette, where they say they wear butlin suits. I think that's funny. Uh, I don't know if that was a, uh, a uh, reference to the jam. I thought it might might have been. The early badges used to be uni- large Union Jacks. Yeah? Yeah, they were very pro, you know, English, the mod thing. Mm. They had nice suits. and But they were great, you know. I'd go and see them at the Hope and Anchor and they'd give me a lift home to the, the bed set. Mm. Sex Pistols used to give me a lift as well after they gig. Yeah? Yeah. So everyone was all like family oriented. It sounds funny, <laughs> doesn't it? My mum actually gave Glenn Matlock a lift home once mm-hmm. to Denmark Street. You know, the bass player from Pistol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So oh, wow. it was all like, you know, we were kids, really. Yeah. You know the way it was publicised as if we were all complete just... Uh... Johnny Rotten used to put me on the train home at Finsbury Park. Yeah. Back to Hertfordshire before I moved to London. That's, a, that's amazing, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. made me an omelette once when I went round there. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That should be a headline in the Johnny Rotten Makes Omelette. <laughs> yeah, but it's, you know, so what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's just that uh, the, all the punk stars or whatever were made out to be total retrograde greats, you know, who yeah. wouldn't who would just spit in your face, you know. Yeah. You don't get that angle that they were just nice young kids. Oh very nice. Just it's just a, an image. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People were scared because we look so weird. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we're challenging people. But challenging things. Just, yeah. yeah. After we left the cemetery, Sean told me more about the nipple erectors, or the nips as they became known as, uh, why they broke up, and then the formation of the men they couldn't hang. So, uh, so we were saying about uh, uh, the, nip, the nipple erectors. Did you have to, when did you, have to, did you have to change the name at some point to the nips? Oh, uh, yeah, we couldn't get any gigs. People found it offensive. And... Um, so they changed it to the Nips, which I hated. But could get more gigs with that name. Right, yeah. That's why. You, did you come up with that name, the Nipple Erectors? Yeah, that was years before, though. I had a dream. <laughs> I yeah. had a dream. And, uh, about Because I think I'd seen Jabriath. You know, I don't know if you ever saw him. It's like a, the American Bowie. I saw him on TV no, once. Yeah. And he came on this rubber suit with his like a space helmet oh yes and it opened out in sections 
Yes, I have seen him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I loved that. And I never yeah. saw him again, you know, because there were no videos in those days. Yeah. And I, that stayed with me. And I had this dream of being in a band, like, in these suits, like, with nipples all over. Yeah. And <laughs> That's amazing. They're called the nipple erectors. Most of that's funny, you know. So no. that's why that... That's why it was called that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where the name came from. Did you ever... Uh, make a suit with nipples all over it? Um, no, I didn't. It's not I too shouldn't. late. <laughs> <laughs> that would be ironic, wouldn't it? <laughs> Never too late to, to go. go to classes to learn how to make them. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've got to do it now before Lady Gaga does it. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, what? Well, yeah, we were the prototypes, or I was a prototype for the, the things that followed the punk scene because we weren't punks. No. No. <laughs> when did that name actually become used, punk? Well, when that... the media got hold of it, mm. and people started reading about it and coming into London and put on the clothes on the, you know, and made a uniform of it. Mm. They'd buy the clothes. Mm-hmm. and shops in King's Road whereas I never did that I always made my own stuff mm-hmm. or got it from second hand clothes shops mm-hmm. used to like old ladies stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, when you're 17 it's brilliant yeah I, no, I mean um, I used to buy uh, all my clothes in second hand shops and um, I, I became a few years ago I realised actually people who are young now wouldn't even Maybe they started doing it again, but definitely for a while the, the idea of buying second-hand clothes was they'd be shocked. Yeah. It's very much labels now, isn't it? Oh, yes. Yeah, they wouldn't seem dead in old ladies' knickers or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, OK. No, I mean, I had an old lady's corset, a salmon pink. It was really hideous, but I wore it because I thought it was brilliant. Mm. Bonesy. Mm. I think I was wearing it that night when the pistols turned up and oh, yeah? gate crashed our party. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. The, the, the gate crashed party you had in... In the... St Albans, the first time I saw them. Oh, yes. Yeah, I was trying to think what I was wearing. On, that was it, the salmon pink old lady's corset. It was, was too it? big. Yeah. You still have it? No, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> Disgusting. Yeah, yeah. Are we going to... Is there a uh, place for... Well, the wall that's that's good. looks different. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. This, it's, over, it's there. So we probably have to go there or maybe there. OK, yeah. yeah, yeah. I have been here for a long time. And uh, were you gigging then a good bit with the nipple erectors? So, yeah. Um, yeah, we we used to play with bands who would let us borrow their drummer because we could never get a permanent drummer. <laughs> Our drummer quit after the first gig. He said it was, he couldn't handle being a rock and roll star. That was like just one gig. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. Uh, what, he wanted to uh, just be a plumber or something? I don't know. <laughs> the captain was throwing gladioli at us at the first gig and it was yeah. mad, yeah. Brilliant. Oh, that's brilliant. Um, how, long, how long did you just play? Along with the Nicola A few years, that yeah. sort of stretched into the early 80s. Yeah. Um, and different lineups. Well, always, the guitarists always seem to run off with various groupies. 
always. And just never come back. Yeah. And let us down here like the night before the rainbow that happened once. Okay, oh. <laughs> hell. And when did you start? How long in did you start recording? Did you bring out your first single? Um, well, that's again from Rock On Records, who are in Soho, the two guys there. Um, made us sign these really dodgy contracts mm-hmm. over for a pint of beer or something and put out a, a single called King of the Bot. Mm-hmm. And they ran, a, they ran a rock and roll store, really, with a few punk things. And uh, we recorded it in Chalk Farm Studios opposite the Roundhouse, which mm-hmm. was a reggae studio. Mm-hmm. But I managed to play a 12-bar bass line. And then mm-hmm. it's like, someone said, it's great, the guitar's nowhere, they said. <laughs> <laughs> just, I don't know if you heard it, can you book? Yeah. That was the first one. Nervous wreck on the B size and they put all these hand claps and stuff on. I mean I wanted to sound more like the Stooges, I wasn't that happy with it. Mm, mm. They, they one was an ex school teacher and he kind of took over a bit. You know. Mm. So. And why did it why did the why did you split up in the end? Um uh, I think I had, yeah, I had my first daughter in ni- 1981, mm-hmm. and I thought I'd just have a break. Yeah. I mean, Shane's full on rock and roll, so yeah, it was <laughs> didn't really go so well. Yeah, he still is. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. then I tried again after I had her, and I wanted to form a group doing Greek music because I love. I went to Greece when I was 21. Yeah. And I love uh, Greek music. So I wanted to like put that influence in. Yeah. And in the nips we did some Irish songs like Paul Paddy works in the railway. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh. Really? Um, Didn't know that. Yeah. Hmm. So we started this band with a stand-up drummer and a fiddle player. You did. Yeah, with Shane. Oh, after the nip work. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. And does that have a name? We didn't. Have, no, it was still the nips. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. just changed. Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. Um. But I wanted to go more Greek, and he wanted to go more Irish. Okay. And I had a small baby, and I just thought, oh, it's too much, I'll just give it a break. Yeah, yeah. Shane's not the easiest person to yeah. work with. So you weren't involved with the clothes at any point? Or? Well, the guy I was married to then was their first drummer, so it, he, they sort of continued that way. Yeah, yeah. And I split up with him, so... Uh, you couldn't be gone, no, involved no, with them? no. So yeah. And then the men they couldn't hang when the death happened? Um, uh, some, I don't know, about 84. Mm-hmm. That, that came about. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was in the band in New Cross for a while and oh. did different things. Beat Me Daddy, that was called. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah. That was in, more instrumental. Yeah. We did some gigs. Yeah. John Peel, I think. Oh, you were on, played on John Peel? Uh, some, he was DJing some oh. events. It was like, you know, he didn't actually get on the show, but it, it could have been. But mm. anyway, yeah, yeah. long story. I had lots of things going on in my personal life, homelessness, things like that. Really? That was tough. With a daughter? Yeah. That must have been tough. Yeah, it was very tough. Mm. Then we formed the men, and so I'd be like, I was, I was in homeless families at the time. Mm. And listening to us being played on John Peel. Really? Yeah. Yeah. 
it's amazing. Yeah. I yeah. mean, like it's you hear this so much that you people who are in bands and stuff on their own TV or they've been played on the radio and yet they're penniless. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. Mm. So then we went for a cup of tea and Shan told me about performing with Reckless Eric, being ripped off by the music industry and her close relationship with Shane McGowan. Yeah, I've never really stopped playing. I've had phases where I've had a break. Mm. I've played with Reckless Eric for a while. Nobody really knows about that. Because he, we called it the Chicken Family, because he didn't want to be Reckless Eric. We played in Holland, and then we did another thing as the Mystery Group with a 15-year-old drummer, and we played all the art colleges. Was that with Reckless? With Reckless Eric, yeah. Because at that time, he was so pissed off with Stiff Records, he didn't want to be use the name Reckless. Um, I remember playing in, I think, the Paradiso in Amsterdam, and he was really pissed off because they put Reckless Eric on the poster. So, yeah, I did all, lots of things like that. Yeah. Nobody knows about. I know. Are a lot of these bands, is there recorded material? I'll tell you what, I've got a whole bunch of cassettes. Because mm-hmm. it was the days of cassettes, a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd love to hear some. Yeah? Mm. Yeah, I was thinking I should find them before they melt or something. You should put them on digital format. Yeah. Um, and now I'm playing a lot of Greek music called Rumbetico or Rumbetica mm-hmm. from 1920s, 1930s Greece, Turkey, Anatolia um, something's biting my foot it's not me <laughs> yeah. oh, so, oh god that's weird and um okay yeah, so I play this tiny instrument called a, a buglama, which is like a tiny bazooki. But it's a prison instrument. It's so small, so they could hide it up their sleeve and play in prison. Really? Yeah, so it, it fits in my handbag, so I prefer it in the bass and all the stack, you know, and all that hassle. Right. Where do you play? I play in... Well, I played, went to Cyprus, played in Cyprus and in Greece, and around uh, London different things mm-hmm. you must tell me when you're next time yeah we'll do mm. so how do you, 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 think, you, you are you better about the whole kind of music thing that um, um, <laughs> a little bit you could say mm. yeah especially um, about the nips never got paid a penny some guy in Ireland's always collected the royalties. So. In Ireland? Yeah, he's moved, moved back to Ireland. And in Ireland? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And basically keeps all the royalties. Who? And, uh, bloke called Phil Gaston. Right, how does he collect the royalties? Well, he, he and Stan Brennan were in a partnership. And um, when we departed company with them, we said, oh, you can put out this bootleg album because they reckon that they paid for some rehearsals and things and that we owed them money, you know. Mm. Um, So we said, you put out this bootleg album and it was just taken from a mixing desk at a gig and you can hopefully recoup the money. Mm -hmm. Uh, In the 80s, Phil Gaston put out another sort of best of album and leased it to Ace Records 
and he got me and Shane and we were pissed it was like one of these BBC Saturday Night Live type things you know I think the Pogues were on and I was there and he, I think we were drunk and he said like sign here and like here's 250 quid so <laughs> that was that's all the money I've ever seen I think you signed off the right and I got some a few euros once um, yeah there's no lawyers present or anything so Shane says it doesn't really stand up there's a contract but so I don't really know how you chase chase it all up really a, a friend of mine was a lawyer who tried but he didn't get any reply and Ace Records are in London they, they don't want to deal with the artist they said we don't deal with the artist but they, send, they sent a list of units that they'd sold and gave his address in Ireland, you know. You've got to love the music business, haven't you? Do you haven't made a penny? Hi. That's unbelievable. Sorry, okay, yeah. mind your head. Sorry. Oh, right, I didn't know what was going on. Um, yeah. And when did you have your second daughter? Then? That was. Um, in, um, the first one was in 1981 mm-hmm. and 1993. Mm-hmm. Here's the next one. Mm-hmm. She's into music. She, oh, yeah. yeah, she plays and sings and records and raps or spitting, as they don't call it rapping, it's spitting. Oh, is it? Mm. Oh. It's not the kind of spitting that went on during the punk days. No, Shane's a big fan of hers, actually. Is he? They get on like a house on fire, yeah. They, they burnt a big hole in my kitchen lino. Why? When, well, they, I've, I've been in the Sahara, I just had enough, and I went to spend some time in the Sahara. <clears throat> and um, and she came on one trip, and, we, you know, so we had lots of fires in the Sahara. Mm. So I wasn't there, and Shane and Eucalypta, and I was decided to have a fire in the kitchen on the metal tray mm. so I heard all this sort of drumming and chanting and they were sitting on the floor basically burning the place down mm. crazy <laughs> do you see Shane much now? Um, but mostly by accident I saw him a couple of months ago at the Boogaloo oh was it uh, like, the Corona? yes yeah um, but he's not the same person I knew as a teenager. He's like he's completely an old man now. Mm. Mm. Total, you know, it's really depressing to see him like that. Mm. Yeah. Guess he so. has so much um, fire and energy and humour, and he was so active. And now we need someone to help to help him into his seat. Mm. He can't even speak. Yeah. But, you know, we had the best years. <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah, okay. He's got loads of hangers on now. Sycophants. Surrounded by sycophants. Mm. Mm. So I don't really like seeing him. It's very depressing. Okay. Um. But we'll always love each other. <laughs> oh, well, that's good. Yeah, of course. Despite him burning your lino. Yeah. No, I was engaged to him when I was a teenager. Oh, were you? Yeah, yeah. But our parents said we were too young. 
so we didn't do it mm. when we were about 19. Oh, right. You were going to get married? Yeah, we, we were dissuaded from it. Mm. Oh, I didn't know you had a relationship with Yeah, he always said he wrote a lot of his songs were about me. Which ones? Well, most of them. Pair <laughs> like of brown eyes? Pair of brown eyes, yeah. They might be bullshit, but that's what he told me anyway. It was that rainy night in Soho, but they, later that was um, changed and something else. Because um, we used to spend all our time in Soho. That's where we used to hang out. Amazing. Yeah. L- London girl. <coughs> oh, well, so look, there's a few things. Mm. Then you should really be getting royalties. And he wrote a song called Sham Bradley as well, an instrumental. Yeah? Yeah, it's on the 12 inch of um, the Fairy Tale of New York. Really? It's a waltz, yeah. Oh. Yeah. And this is, is this. After you split up for a while, or? Yes, oh, yeah. yeah. So he still thought of you? Yeah. Have you written any songs about Shane? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll leave it at that, will we? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thanks a lot for talking to me. Because, you, oh, you know, um... Yeah, I've had a few, so the sat- Satellite by the Pistols, that was written about me as well a song called Satellite really? yeah because I was in <clears throat> at St Albans at the time which is like a satellite of London it's not a very complimentary song but that's true as well any other songs? Um, yeah there are but I can't remember <laughs> sounds funny doesn't it <laughs> but it is true Oh, well, when you do, just... Oh, not the so. Pistols, but other songs, you know, from other times. And, mm. But that's what people do, isn't it? They write about what's around them. And... Yeah, it's amazing that something like... that. Some of those songs are going to become part of history, do you know what I mean? Like, mm. Pair of Brown Eyes or whatever. You can imagine that's going to be sung for years and years to come. Yeah, maybe. Well, well, after we're all gone, you know, because it's a folk song. It's a, yes, yeah. You know, it can have a life of its own, and yet it's about yeah. you, which is incredible. It? it is, yeah. I'm not one of these like ego maniacs, you know. I've been fairly quiet about it all, but I'm beginning to speak now. So. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay, because it's important history, I think some of it. Not particularly about me, but just the early punk and maybe women's history of course mm-hmm. you know it's unwritten mostly it yeah. is you know I've been on the sidelines I've always been there but somehow as a woman you get pushed to the side mm. and I'm sure you'd know about that <laughs> been pushed to the side but I've, not, I've never been a no, woman no mm. yeah and like it, it was it was the beginning of women becoming really involved in music, wasn't it? Being what? Really involved, putting themselves out there in, as strong characters, like Su- Susie Sue or 
pretty annoying. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it was, yeah. 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 It's about time. Because yeah. I, the only female, I used to see a band called Babe Ruth and they had a singer called Janita Hahn. Yeah. And she was a very quite a strong influence on me. See, have you ever heard of them? No, no I haven't. No, they used to play around in the seventies. And um, the first time I saw them, I think she told someone to fuck off, you know. And I thought, wow, that's impressive, you know, when you're like fourteen. And, mm. <laughs> and in those days, because people didn't do things like that on stage, mm. did they? No. I and mean, the Pistols got in trouble for saying that on television, you know. That time. Very much more censored. Well, nowadays you wouldn't get a chance because it's all recorded. You, there's oh, no really? live oh, okay. TV, really, is it? No, probably not. Just an illusion, is it? I think so. There's a programme on RTE called The Late Late Show, which is, goes out live. But then I also think that there's probably uh, a something like a 30-second delay from when it... So if something is said they can immediately cut it if they're quick yes. that it won't go out yeah there was a band uh, on one uh, called Princess Tiny Meat have you ever heard of them no no and uh, he he did something but uh, you could tell that he he, he oh. did something but you didn't see what it was and he did and the music was cut and it yeah. went straight back to Gayburn who's the host yeah, because they did that to the Pogues on on that show. I think they were doing a song about Birmingham Six, oh, and yeah. they cut the Pogues off. Did they? The, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's funny, isn't it, that that is been in two bands that have changed their names. Or... Kiss my ass. Yeah, you can't really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> right, I did say we we're going to leave. We will we'll be leaving at that now. Yeah, let's leave it at that. We'll leave Probably it at that. enough of me for now. Thank Just you very much. Leave it at you saying, kiss my arse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was the uh, brilliant Sean Bradley. We spent a really nice time over in uh, London, a couple of hours just uh, walking around and interviewing her. And then she came to my gig later in Ealing and uh, had a few pints together. Brilliant woman. I hope everything is great with her and that she does eventually get some money from the nips because she deserves it. Well, uh, in the next coming week on the uh, 23rd of July, I'll be in Castle Gregory and then the 24th and 25th, I'll be performing at the Vodafone Comedy Festival in Dublin. Well worth going to see that. There's loads of great acts on, but I'll be on the Friday on the 24th with the Dublin Comedy Improv and on the 25th, I'll be performing with Whose Lines It Anyway and Phil Jupitus. Then on the 31st of July and the 1st of August, I'll be in the Laughter Lounge. And then on the 6th, 7th and 8th of August, I'll be in La Crosse, Wisconsin. And the weekend after that, I'll be in Milwaukee at the Irish Festival in Wisconsin. And in between those, I'll be in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. But I'll tell you all about that next week. So uh, I'd like to thank Daniel Rooney for providing the music for the podcast. Uh, Andrew Mangan for production and Castaway Media for hosting the podcast. If you like what I'm doing, please give me a review or a star rating on iTunes. Please do that. Thank you for listening and I'll talk to you next week. Goodbye.
This was a Castaway Media production. Find us on Twitter at Castaway Media or on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Castaway Podcasts. I'm seeing something. It's smiling at me. But not a friendly smile. The worst smile I've ever seen in my life. Do you see it right now? Smile. Rated R. Only in theaters September 30th.